So, are you DTFX? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Okay, welcome back to the show, everyone. Happy Tuesday if you're joining us live. Thank you so much. If you're watching this after the fact, thank you for checking us out as well. Uh, we have got a great show for you this evening. One of our more favorite episodes, I think, if I may speak so boldly for both of us. One of our more favorite shows of the year. This is our Drinking Buddies episode. These are the guys we're planting our flags with. We want to come into our lives. We feel really great about them. We want to hang with them all season long. This is it. The, this, this is the stake in the sand. So it's going to be a fun one. It always is. Before we get into it, though, co-host with the most, Jake, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. My voice is still trying to catch up from this weekend. Uh, I, I don't think there's enough lozenges in the world to recover a person's voice from the fantasy football expo that we just participated in in canton ohio this weekend how much fun was that i mean just it was incredible blast. it was incredible met so many people uh it was so much fun um yeah i have drank more water in the last 24 hours than i have probably in the last week combined uh, just for the fact that one, I drank basically zero water uh, at the expo and my body, let's say, was dehydrated for some reason. So <laughs> I had to remedy that up. <laughs> Can't imagine what that would have even been yeah. from. Uh, that was a, It was a dry county in Canton, Ohio. You know, they didn't even allow uh, adult beverages. So it definitely wasn't. From that. Uh, but no, I mean, it was it was amazing. Obviously, already looking forward mm -hmm. to it next year. Listeners, if you've never been to that, I encourage you next year when it comes back around in mid-August to definitely consider the trip. Uh, a lot of fans out there, uh, just fantasy football fans in general. And it was great getting to chat with them. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I think that trends transitions nicely into this episode. You said it. This is like the creme de la creme of our episodes. So we're coming off of a high in Canton, Ohio. Now we have to keep that high going for our drinking buddies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get into it, um, no drunk trade this week, folks. Uh, got to submit those in. We got to get them. We, we want them. We need them. Uh, and just to keep the show uh, on track, because we really want to talk about some things with our drinking buddies. We decided we're going to skip the segment this week. It'll be back next week. Don't worry. But we still do have our beer review. Uh, this one is one that I picked out this week. This is from a brewing company that we've featured on the show a lot lately, only because they keep putting out excellent beer and new ones every single time. Uh, this is from Youngblood Brewing Company. Uh, it's a collaborative beer with Sway Brewing, it looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, this is called Is That Cameron? Why it's called I don't that, know what I that don't means. Know. No but clue. this is an unfiltered lager uh, dry hopped with Styrian Cardinal hops which I've never had before. I don't know what that is. And it comes in at a nice, easy 4.8%, which is really, truly what we need this evening. This is absolutely necessary for tonight's show. Uh, let's, let's be honest there. I'm just starting to believe that they're making shit up when it comes to hops in this, though. They're just absolutely making things up, throwing things on the label to see if anybody notices. And guess what? I'm never going to notice. So I don't know, Cardinal, Syrian, whatever hops. Tyrion Davis Price hops. I don't know. I, I'm never going to know if it's real or not. And I don't care. But this one does taste pretty good. I gotta say. Yeah, it does. And I'm just happy it's it's very easy drinking and not something crazy, uh, super hoppy, because I don't know if my liver could actually handle that this evening. So good job. Good job. Toronto Dave, blood. 
Toronto Dave in the chat prefers his hops wet, as if a bunny was dancing in the rain. Got to meet Toronto Aww. Dave out in Canton, by the way. Just a delightful encounter. Um, and so as I agree with the As great in person as he is in the chat. Arguably better. Well, There's more characters to work with, you know, not that's a time true. crunch kind of thing. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, this is a good easy drinker. So I'm going to love mm -hmm. this for the for the rest of this episode because we need a good backbone beer mm -hmm. for all these takes coming up, some of which might be kind of hot. I don't know. They might be. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. People are going to have to make that judgment for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with no further ado, let's just get into it. And since I started last week, you can you can hit us off and start first this week, Jake. Aw, thanks. Well, I'm going to kick us off. I know uh, we'd like to hop around positionally sometimes just to spice things up. I'm going to go right from the top. I'm going to start with my quarterback drinking buddy for this year. It's Kyler Murray. Now, no, this is not a super deep ADP poll by any means. Kyler Murray, though, I, I do think is going curiously low for me. So he is currently on Fantasy Pros ADP, going as the quarterback six off of the board. Um, or he's, he's swapping back and forth with Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, basically taking up that spot week to week. So I, I don't know that I agree <laughs> that one, Joe Burrow should be in the same conversation with Murray. And just in general, that Murray shouldn't be in the top three. I think he should. So I think ADP, it should basically be Josh Allen as the king, as the daddy for all of us. And hey, if you want to go with the security of Pat, Patrick Mahomes above Kyler Murray, I get that too. But then to me, it should be Kyler Murray. Um, I love, A, the rushing floor that Kyler, of course, has. Now, the last couple of years, we've seen some injuries kind of get in the way of his overall production. He has still finished fantastically. However, he's not been outside the top five in a points-per-game basis. And that is thanks to his wheels, primarily, and the fact that he's had some pretty damn good targets on that Arizona Cardinals team, which has not changed for me. I know that there's been a change of the depth chart. Of course, Hollywood Brown has entered the picture here, kind of replacing DeAndre Hopkins, uh, at least for the first six games. But then Hopkins is coming back. So... You know, for all the talk, especially about Kyler Murray having kind of sluggish second halves, I think that supposing Hopkins comes back and can actually stay healthy and stay out on the field, that kind of thing could actually have a mid-season kind of rejuvenation for him. Um, but I don't expect that he'll have too much trouble even starting off hot because, uh, spoiler alert, there's another guy on this roster that I'm going to be talking about on this very episode that is going to give him, I think, a pretty, pretty good baseline. Now, last year, we saw James Conner kind of get into the mix a lot in terms of siphoning off touchdowns. Conner was a touchdown monster. I think he's going to be due for a little bit of regression. I think that's going to come back Kyler Murray's way in the form, maybe in rushing touchdowns, maybe in passing touchdowns. I, I really don't care how I'm getting them from him. All that I know is he's going to get me them. So, I mean, in passing touchdowns, He's kind of been mediocre, averaged about 25 per season all, all the three years that he's been in the league, but it's that rushing upside. So he had five rushing touchdowns last year. That was actually kind of low. He only started 14 games. Uh, he had 11 rushing touchdowns the season before. So if he starts sniffing up to that number again, you're looking at the guy who is potentially, potentially going to be the QB1 to end this season. I know there's a few guys that you can make that argument for. Mm -hmm. But based on where Murray's going and his safeness, that's what I love about it. There are some guys that I'm still interested in. I love Jalen Hurts this year. Big fan of that guy. I think you could still say that he has more question marks. Um, Dustin, are you putting any any faith, any stock 
into the comments about Kyler Murray's contract and how we talked about this on our car ride down to Canton, but hey, they put in that clause that you better study X amount of hours per week, and then they took it out because it sounded bad. Any negative connotations for you in that? No, not at all. I I mean, like you said, we talked about it, and I was actually going to bring this up uh, if you didn't, so um, thank you for throwing me the, the pitch, so to speak. But no, nothing to worry about there. I think that, that whole thing is just overblown. It was the off season. People need something to talk about and latch on to, so no, I'm not worried about that piece of it at all. Um, the, the question back to you, though, do you think people are a little bit lower on Kyler than you think, only because the last few seasons he's been, ended the year kind of dinged up, and we've seen him stop, start really hot, but fade as the season goes. And whether that's because of injury or just the offense as a whole becomes more sluggish. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think that's a very popular narrative that goes around with Kyler Murray. And I do think that that's fed into his ADP uh, drop, if you want to call it that. Because, yes, he has definitely started better than he's finished. The stats back that up each of the last few years. However, yes, injuries came into play midway through both seasons. Now, in 2020, that was his throwing shoulder got hurt. And Mm -hmm. he actually started to make up a little bit more with his legs in that regard. And then just last year, it was the opposite. He had an ankle injury that he was fighting through halfway through, and I think that curbed some of his rushing uh, abilities that he does have, and I think that's partly why James Conner was as involved as he was. So yes, I think you just get tired of, oh man, my championships come around and Kyler isn't you know, there for me. But I don't think you really have to worry about that. I don't think that that is a legitimate issue. I think it is just, yes, it's happened. It's happenstance, if you will, and I'm not worried about it in the list. Okay, well, good. Yeah, I I like your drinking buddy here, Jake. I think that's a good one. I'm happy because you know what? I like your drinking buddy, too. So we're on the same page quarterbacks, at least. I know. And I I think the only reason you took Kyler is because I took your player here. I know you're really high on him. And honestly, I... We've talked about it in previous episodes here the last few weeks, how it seems like I'm all in on this offense. Uh, It's Jacksonville. Spoiler. Not a spoiler since we're talking about it. Whatever. Yeah. So it's Trevor Lawrence. He's my quarterback drinking buddy. I figured I I, I thought about doing ETN, but I have someone else that I'm I'm really planting my flag in this year for for the running back position. Actually, two of them, but the one in my that I've been stopping for all offseason here. So I'm like, I got to invest in somewhere in this offense. And why not Trevor Lawrence? (laughs) And a good starting point. I do think he's criminally undervalued. Uh, he is currently going as the QB 20. You can get him in the 12th round of your drafts. So double digit rounds. This is the perfect. If you abide by the late round QB mantra, this is this is the guy you should be targeting. And if, if you're worried about getting him or waiting that late, you want to get him a little bit earlier. Take him a round or two earlier. You're still in the double digit rounds. You're still getting great value. And yes, he had a historically bad rookie season. Uh, historically bad. I, there, nothing you can say will change anyone's opinion on that. Compared to his expectations, at least. Yes. For sure. Well, I think even compared to other rookies coming in, he was historically bad. Even when you compare it to like the Ryan Leafs or Peyton Manning's, his rookie season was terrible. I mean, this was this was right there with a, like just god awful. Can't believe you Ryan Leafed my guy just now. I cannot I believe that you I know. put that on him. Okay. I'm just I'm using it as a reference. That's all. Do I think he's going to end there? No. So here's what happened. They got rid of that dumpster fire of a coach and coaching staff uh, with Urban Meyer and and everything that was going on there with that staff. 
I mean, let's be honest. The team kind of just quit on them last year. I mean, you, you saw it. It was just it was just bad. So they got a new coaching staff, Doug Peterson. We saw what he did with Carson Wentz there uh, and the quarterbacks in Philadelphia. So that right there, instant upgrade. Someone that that has been known to work with quarterbacks. He's going to bring in a, a better offense to Utah. He gets his running back back in Travis Etienne, his old college roommate, which will open up lanes in the running game and in the passing game. Uh, it's a nice little security blanket there for him. They went out and got him weapons in free agency, spent a lot of money. Now, I will say, maybe not the best weapons they could have gotten, but they are definitely upgraded over everything that they had last year. Christian Kirk, he's flashed. We, we've seen him flash. We, he had He's had hype for years. Marvin Jones still on the team. We all love him. We're big fans here, DTFF, of, of Marvin Jones. They brought in Zay Jones. Again, he's had his ups and downs. A lot of hype early in his career. Got kind of caught in a bad system. Kind of got rejuvenated a little bit last season. So they brought in someone that can make some plays there. LaVisca Chenault, who I'm not personally very high on. Who knows? New coaching staff. Maybe he gets his career turned around here uh, and gets used in more creative ways that can get him a ball that fits his skill sets better. And then they went out and got a tight end who, again, has had a very up and down career, but has had very fantasy relevant seasons before. And maybe this change of scenery, getting away from that New York media and the scrutiny there down to sunny Florida, maybe that'll change everything there for Ingram. So they have done things to, to give him a better chance to succeed. And again, just second year in the league, there's nowhere to go but up from here. And I, I really think that at QB20, I mean, he's going to outperform that, I think, easily. I think easily. And I think he could flirt with, with being a number one, not number one, a top 12 QB, a QB one by the end of the season this year. I agree. I love Trevor Lawrence. As you noted, he was definitely going to be the dude that I wanted to put in here, but she got to him. I got to respect the hustle. You got in there first. Uh, and everything that you said tracks. And it's like even the offensive line additions that they've made to this team over this offseason, which I think are overlooked a little bit because mm-hmm. that was, that was not in a good way either. Everything that they've done, it's not splash signings. And I think that's why people are keeping his ADP so low. It's a combo of, yeah, what he did last year or didn't do last year. And then, well, what's what's the big turnaround going to come from? Is it going to come all from Christian Kirk? Is it going to come all from this guy or that guy? And it doesn't have to be. It's a, a medley of all of the additions that they've made and the additions by subtractions. As you said, by getting rid of, of Urban Meyer, who we just cannot overstate on this show enough how bad it was. What I love about Trevor Lawrence is his rushing upside as well. I think that he's just, for whatever reason, not looked at as if he has that wonderful kind of Dak Prescott plus ability with rushing at the very least. Like, that's his baseline in terms of rushing. And I think he's he's never going to be Justin Fields, but he can get close to that in the right circumstances. And it's just like that kind of ceiling for a, a, a rushing quarterback to be drafted this late is absurd. So mm-hmm. I'm with you there. I love it. I I think we're both in on Jacksonville. We we should just start placing bets for them to, you know, run the playoffs, I think, at this point. I don't know if I'd go that far, Jake, but, <laughs> you know, may, maybe maybe placing some prop bets out there uh, on over-unders for, for these offensive pieces might be in play. Fair. Fair enough. Well, All right. if we have a, an episode dedicated to that, we'll make sure we're going right. them up. <laughs> Where are you going next, Jake? I want to keep it running down the line. I want to go to running back. My guy, my drinking buddy for this year is Aaron Jones. You know, 
Homer. Homer. <laughs> what perfect timing. It's like we planned that. Way to go. Just like we planned in rehearsal. But mm-hmm. I do think that Aaron Jones here is another curious case. Now, we've talked, I mean, at length about how bad we perceive the receiving depth here to be at Green Bay. And we are the homers. We're the Packers homers. And we have not lit a single fire under any of these wide receivers this offseason. We're not the guys out here hyping up Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, uh, Alan Lazard. I mean, I think the closest we've come is saying, like, yeah, take Randall Cobb in the last round of drafts, I guess. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. where we stand with them. So everything for me that I believe is going to go really well for this offense is going to come from this backfield, plus one other guy who you will talk about later. But I love Aaron Jones's floor. For receiving now even before some very recent comments that Aaron Rodgers made I was in love with Jones from that perspective because he has had at least 63 targets in each of the last three seasons that is an amazing amazing floor now we hear these comments come from Aaron that he is very disappointed with the young receivers making too many mistakes they need to develop their consistency the time for production is now as he's basically saying and calling these young guys out they need basically need to get their shit together. And then he turns around and says, each of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon could have, realistically, 50 catches each. Now, I take that information. I say, well, that's a no-brainer for Aaron Jones. That's really confidence instilling for A.J. Dillon, too. So why not mm-hmm. add his name in here? Because, again, I love this backroom. I actually think the split is going to, yeah, sure, 100 catches each, but I think that's going to be more like 70 for Jones and 30 for Dylan, which still great for Dylan because, you know, he's not the most known for pass mm-hmm. catching, but he's going to get some options. He's, he's saying, I want to get soft hands, man. I, I right. love what I see out of him. Anyway, big, big, strong quads and big, soft hands. Uh, but Aaron Jones here, if Rogers himself is calling these guys out and saying, you're not going to get on the field, basically, if you don't improve and if you don't develop to my liking and he's saying get the 11 best players on the field that's going to be probably a lot of jones and dylan at the same time now jones Mm -hmm. was a little bit lacking in touchdowns last year i expect that number to come up a positive regression as we like to talk about here he had just six rushing touchdowns last season with Devontae adams gone it doesn't necessarily mean that those touchdowns have to go through the air could be coming on the ground here with both Jones and Dylan. So I love the touchdowns to go up. Uh, I love the overall yardage, the targets, the everything to go up for Jones. And why is it, Dustin, you tell me this. Why is it that Aaron Jones is not even considered early second round material right now compared to, to his ADP? Like, why is it that you can get Aaron Jones at the end of the second round? That to me is bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. So I know that you love, and we didn't talk about him here, DeAndre Swift. But if you had mm-hmm. to choose DeAndre Swift who's going at the back of the first or Aaron Jones at cost, who would you be taking? Oh, that is a great question. Um, right? Because I I mean, realistically, I feel like they both have the upside to be able to finish number one overall mm-hmm. as running backs. I really do. I would probably at this point at cost take Jones before Swift only because I know he's going to get that volume uh, where the skill position players on Detroit are better, <laughs> which is really That's sad to say. to say. It is. Absolutely. It is outside the quarterback position, obviously, but their wide receivers and tight end position is both markedly better than what Green Bay is going to be fielding this year. Let's be honest. Uh, running back, I, I think, like I said, they're both 
relatively they're in the same same grouping for me but at cost give me aaron jones yeah so rb8 for deandre swift right now rb12 for aaron jones in love with aaron jones so there we go now i'm less in love admittedly with this guy who you're going to talk to next but convince me that i need to get on this train so my running back here is ezekiel elliott my drinking buddy here and I, 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 I spotted off about him many times. I, I've been all in on him this offseason. And here's why. So first off, he's going as the RB15 overall. End of the third round, which not end, like mid, mid third round, if I recall correctly. So RB15, you're not drafting him at his ceiling. You're, I think you're drafting him at his floor, to be honest. Worst case scenario, that, 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 that would be the worst he would ever have finished in his career. He's never finished outside the top 12 in all six seasons. Here in order, 2, 12, 5, 3, 9, and 7. Been inside the top 10 every single year except for the one year, and that's only because he played 10 games. Otherwise, would have been top 5, I think, easily. He's had pretty much 1,000 yards every single season, at least. Um, You've seen his yards per carry stay very consistent. Uh, Touchdowns has been the fickle thing for him where he jumps around, but I think he's in line for double-digit touchdowns again this year. He's very involved in the passing game. He's averaged at least 50 over his career, 55 receptions a game, or a game. That would be incredible. Uh, 55 <laughs> receptions a season. He always gets a couple of receiving touchdowns, so he's very involved in this offense. And then you take a look at this Dallas offense and what happened this offseason. They lost Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup, slow to come back from his injury. Uh, James Washington lost for the season. And I just don't buy the Tony Pollard hype. Well, I think he's a great backup. They haven't been inclined to use him and, and eat into Zeke's role. Like, like we're still seeing Zeke produce at elite levels year after year. And what, this is the third year Pollard's going to be in the league, third or fourth year, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and e- every year we're saying this is the year Pollard eats into Zeke's role. Zeke's, you know, he's, he's getting older. He's hitting the age cut. No, it just doesn't happen. So why would we expect something to be different this year when the coaching staff hasn't shown us that previously? There, there's a reason for it. And and they have a shit ton of money invested in Zeke with his contract. So let's be honest. They're not going to pay him, what was it, like $18 million a year to be in a timeshare. That That's just not going to happen. He's one of Jerry Jones' boys. And that is why... I love Zeke, and he is he is going to win you fantasy championships this year. At at that cost, he's he's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes top five. You would not be. I would be crazy surprised by that. I would be. I would be floored by Do a tell. top five finish by Zeke. Do so tell. I think I here's where I could get on board with Zeke, which is the changing in the offense, as you noted, and the fact that. Him and and Pollard, I think, could both get a lot of work. I'm willing to see the side where Pollard gets a lot more of the receiving work still. And I know we've been calling for that before, but they've finally started running him like at slot receiver in training camp for the first time. That's not something that we've seen. We've just all been saying, like, he he's really good as a pass catcher. But the Cowboys are just like, well, yeah, but fuck you. Like, we'll, we're going to do what we want to do. This is the first time where we've actually heard of some usage of that way in training. Now, where I get concerned with Zeke, though, yes, yes, he's been productive. Last year, the injuries took some wind out of him, okay? So he played through some injuries, and I have to give him credit. But he played all 17, had the fewest rushing attempts 
that he's ever had, fewest yards per game that he's ever had. He did get double-digit touchdowns, which is nice. His targets have always been nice. He's kind of in that Aaron Jones venue for targets. And maybe that continues this year. Still, even with Pollard. Maybe they could both do it. But I think Zeke is going to be the A.J. Dillon here in that regard, in the pass catching exclusively. So I'm a little bit hesitate, hesitant, not a little, a lot hesitant to say top five makes sense to me. Like, hey, if he finishes top 10, great. And that's going to be purely based off of volume, though, in my perspective, because even the year before last, his efficiency was starting to come down. So, you know, I'm not saying we can project cliffs for running backs necessarily. He's, he's just 27, but I'm not willing to bank on top five at all. In fact, I would say there is just no chance for me that he's a top five guy, which smells like maybe a beer bet. Uh, sure. I mean, this is going to be my bet because uh, I was thinking beer bet, too, since you are convinced that Pollard is going to get more of the receiving work. Mm-hmm. You just want to do straight up receptions. Let's do targets. Yeah. Targets. Targets is cleaner for me. But yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with that 100%. Okay. All right. You got Pollard, I got Zeke, who has more targets end of the season. Perfect. Targets per game? Yeah, let's do targets for any games. injuries yeah. and make yep. it easy. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Perfect. Mark it down. I'm Book very it. comfortable. Done and done. I will be marking this all up. So, um I, hey, I at cost, I can't even really argue about drafting Zeke. I'm just not so thrilled to do it, but I get that he's a value. So, for this one. Now, is he as much of a value as my wide receiving drinking buddy? I don't think so, but I'm a little bit biased here because my wide receiving buddy is Rashad Batman Bateman. I have been talking this dude up a lot this offseason, so I got to put my money where my mouth is and just throw him down on the docket as my guy because... I'm not leaving almost any single best ball draft without him. And I will be doing everything in my power to get him in redraft, which is going to mean drafting him above his ADP. And I'll be taking him probably a round or two above that just because he's going as wide receiver 38. That's it's like nothing at that point. Wide receiver 38. Let me tell you some gentlemen that he's going around right now still. He's going after Tyler Lockett, even though we don't understand what the quarterback situation is in Seattle. Neither are probably going to be that great. He's going after Juju Smith-Schuster, who we think maybe is the number one receiver, but definitely the number two at best in that offense. And a lot of question marks. He's going after DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be suspended for the first six games. He is not playing for half of your fantasy season. He's still going right now five spots above Rashad Bateman. I think that is absurd. We know for sure Bateman is the number one receiver on the Ravens team. I think he has a very good chance of being the number one overall. We saw last year, I understand Mark Andrews, and he's not going away, and I'm not saying that he's going to be bad, but I am saying that last year, Marquise Hollywood Brown actually out-targeted him on a per-game basis. Shad Bateman has an amazing draft profile. Coming out of college, He was in the 94th percentile for breakout age. That basically just means like as a young buck, you are crushing it. You don't have to wait and get old like Vellis Jones to do reasonable things at a college level. 88th percentile college dominator rating. He is a go up, get the ball kind of guy. We've seen him making a ton of those catches. I know it's training camp highlights, but let me get excited about that. Baltimore was ninth overall in pass attempts last year. Maybe that comes down a little bit. I can buy into that. If we have proof that their running back depth chart is healthy, which right now we don't. Dobbins is off the pup list, but they're still being pretty wishy-washy about what his real active status is. Gus Edwards, not going to be healthy for a long time. 
coaching staff has come out and outright said that. So if you want to believe in Mike Davis, believe in Mike Davis. If you want to believe in late round guy Tyler Batty like I do, that's fine. But we cannot assume full health at all for this backfield. Regardless of all of that, Marquise Brown talked about him. He's now in Arizona. But last year, 146 targets, 91 receptions, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. This was with an ailing Rashad Bateman on the cast there. It's the other thing about Bateman. He didn't put up a crazy impressive rookie season because he was playing through injuries the entire time. Only played 10 games. In those 10 games, had a lot of injuries that he had to deal with. Um, so I, I just, I don't understand it. That ADP will never make sense to me. And I'm, I'm fine with it because I get to exploit it now. So in terms of wide receivers, I'm going to take the guy who I know for sure is the number one over these question marks that I noted ahead of him. I would, if I had to, easily take him at wide receiver 20. I won't have to, which is the great thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just another thing of note, uh, he basically only played part of his final season in college as well. So kind of like Jamar Chase really didn't play. It was that whole weird COVID season where the Big Ten first said they weren't going to play this their season. Then they said they they were and they did, but shortened season. He decided he was going to play, but then opted out after a few games. So essentially his his last season in college didn't play. So yeah, he came in maybe a little bit rusty, you know, had some injuries because he wasn't necessarily in game shape. We don't know. But I think that's also something to keep in mind as well. He, you know, he was very highly touted coming out of college, but you know, a little bit football rusty, maybe. And maybe that had something to do with uh, why he didn't perform up to what maybe we thought he would last season. But I love that point with Hollywood gone now. He is the number one on the team. They drafted him. Didn't they, they draft him in the early seconds? They did. So, so the draft I mean, capital is certainly there. there. I think he was yep. like the fifth or sixth wide receiver taken overall, which clouds things a bit because, again, he, he wasn't Jamar Chase, and I get mm -hmm. that. But one quick thing because you noticed, you know, yeah, maybe he didn't play great last year. But honestly, here's my last little nugget. In the games that he actually played with Lamar Jackson, when Huntley hadn't taken over, his 17-game pace, I know it's a pretty small sample size, but it was 107 targets, 90 receptions, 911 yards with Hollywood Brown playing. So per game basis there was not actually that bad, but we'll see what he can do this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to my wide receiver drinking buddy for the season, and that is one Mr. Adam Thielen. Uh, I think I think you've seen a little bit of a trend here with my last one and this one. I'm kind of team old guy uh, for my drinking buddies this season. But Thielen is due for a bounce back this year. Uh, he was dinged up with injuries. I mean, he ended up playing 13 games, which, you know, not terrible. But I think he was hampered by injuries for quite a bit of the season. Now, I know a lot of people are really high on um, KJ Osborne. KJ? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, folks, my brain still is trying to recover from the weekend, and, and it's it's firing a little bit slower than normal. Uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people are hyped about him, and I do think in time he will be that number two on the team, but not for this season. So every year that Adam Thielen has played healthy, he has been a stud. And the last couple seasons, all he's done is put up double, hit even double-digit touchdowns. Even last year, when he was out for five games, Still had 10 touchdowns in 13 games. The year before, 14 touchdowns in 15 games. Like, all this guy does is catch touchdowns in the red zone. We love to see that. Kirk Cousins loves to target him. 
Uh, it helps that he's got a elite wide receiver on the other side of him in Justin Jefferson that helps roll away that number one overall coverage from him. And he'll be on the number two cornerback or sometimes number three cornerback, depending on formations and, and what the defense is doing. So he's getting that, I hate to say it, uh, weaker coverage um, or left by less talented cornerbacks, even though they're way still super talented, not disparaging cornerbacks uh, in the league here, obviously. But, I mean, he was still on pace last year. He had 95 targets, 67 receptions, as I said, the 10 touchdowns in a shortened season. I mean, he's just, I mean, he was actually averaging more targets per game than the previous season where he finished as the wide receiver seven. So, like, he was on pace to finish in the top 10 again last year. But because of these injuries, it just didn't happen. So... We've already seen change in offense. The coaches come out and basically said, hey, we're going to be more passing forward offense, which maybe there's not as quite as much um, additional passing volume there because they were already a fairly pass heavy team last year. I don't think people realize that. But if the coach is saying we want to be more pass heavy and a more pass oriented offense, that's only going to only going to be good things for all the wide receivers, including Adam Thielen. So he should see more targets per game. We know he's going to get used in the red zone. Uh, they're probably going to be playing from behind a lot of games because I don't think their defense is super, super solid. I mean, it's okay, but chances are they're going to have to be playing from behind a little bit, passing the ball a little bit more. And we all know Dalvin Cook misses a couple games out of the season because he gets dinged up. And while when Alexander Madison has come in, he's he's done really well in in backup play for him. They could just decide to, with this new offense, decide to pass the ball more instead of giving it to Madison. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I think people are fading Adam Thielen. He's going, I don't think I mentioned this, he's going as the wide receiver 28 overall, which I think is criminal. I think he is locked and loaded as a wide receiver to minimum, minimum. And it wouldn't surprise me if he flirts uh, in the top 15. A a again, as a floor play for him. I think, so... I know this has been said on other podcasts and I just, and it's been said on a bunch of them. I just want to bring it up every season. There's at least four teams that have two wide receivers in the top 24. This is going to be one of those teams. Justin Jefferson is assuredly a lock and it would surprise me if they both end up top 12 this year. If they, if there's two number one wide receivers on this team, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm, I'm guessing probably top 15 is his floor for this year. Dustin, you're in my head. I love this one. I'm back to loving your choices with Adam Thielen. I said on the Ball Blast podcast a couple of weeks ago that Thielen will finish as a top 15 receiver on a points-per-game basis with easy top eight upside. He has that there. So you're saying like top 12, if they both finish there, wouldn't shock you? Same. Absolutely same. And I one bit I wanted to talk about with the passing offense, because it's not even just that they say, we want to throw more. The coach, Kevin O'Connell, came out and said, not only do I want them to throw more, I want Kirk to be more aggressive. I want him to take more chances. That is the type of thing that benefits Adam Thielen so much because he's already that red zone guy who Cousins trusts implicitly. Well, now you're asking him, oh, okay, now even on the ones where I think it's a long shot, I can go ahead and target this guy? That could mean another 15 touchdown season for Thielen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no shocker that happens. Yep. All right, Jake. Take us to our last position here. Get us down the home stretch. Going to bring us home. You know, most episodes, we don't like to talk about tight ends. We've, we've made that pretty well known, I think, by mm -hmm. this point. 
We don't like it. This is the one episode where I'm excited to talk about tight ends, especially mine, because I know, I know that Dustin does not like my choice for Drinking Buddy, which is Arizona's Zach Ertz. In fact, if you didn't listen to last week's episode with our bus, I encourage you to go back and do so, hear both sides of this argument. Uh, not that, you know, Dustin obviously can't say things about my guy here once I'm finished, but his whole case is back there. Now, me, on the other hand, I believe in Zach Ertz, team old guy, again here. Uh, now, Zach Ertz transitioned from Philadelphia to Arizona midseason last year. Midseason. He ended up being the 29th most targeted player overall. Player overall. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And he is going as the tight end nine. This is what is commonly known as the tight end dead zone for a lot of people. People do not like to draft those mid-round guys, and I get it. I get it. But for me, that's more of your TJ Hawkinsons, your Dallas Goddards, both of which are going above Ertz. This year, I would not be taking those. I would be waiting to take Ertz here. Because, again, six games without DeAndre Hopkins to start the year. He's going to need somebody that he's comfortable with. Is that Rondale Moore, who had a negative average depth of target last season and is working in a new role, which is basically Christian Kirk's old role from last year? Is it him? Probably not. They got rid of their pass-catching back Chase Edmonds from last year, replaced with a couple of question marks there. I mean, people have strong opinions about Eno Benjamin, about uh, Ingram, Keontae Ingram, I believe. People like those guys somewhat, but there's no doubt that they are bigger question marks than Chase Edmonds was. So for short-range targets, that's going to be Ertz. And especially in the red zone, yes, Hollywood Brown, love Hollywood Brown. Still a big fan of him. But at a position that I'm probably going to end up streaming anyways, especially if I don't take those top couple of guys, and even me, I know noted tight end, uh, what's the opposite of guru? (laughs) (laughs) moron i guess it's just moron noted tight end moron jake trowbridge uh does not believe in the top class this year either i I don't want to invest a high pick in travis kelsey and mark andrews and even kyle pitts uh, mostly because of his quarterback questions there i don't want those high guys because i don't love where they're still being drafted Ertz to me is the biggest value in this draft and if i'm not going to punt it to the last rounds He's who I want. He's the only guy I want if I'm not doing that. Uh, and it's just from a safety perspective because he's a red zone hunk, if I can say so, and uh, a safety blanket for the notably short. Kyler Murray could go a long way here this year. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I could obviously say lots of things that would counter that. But as you said, I talked about it last week. Uh, if you guys want to hear that or see that, go check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we have it clipped out for our busts by position so go check out the tight end bus you hear it all on there i don't need to reiterate it and uh yeah but i do feel like this is a good opportunity for yet another beer bet if we have this big of a dichotomy because we absolutely do this is this might be the biggest difference in players that we have i would like to set an easy over under or if you want to do like where he finishes i'm fine with that too but we got to make something out of this okay so i'm i'll i'm out here thinking that we could do tight end six or above, and I'd be fine with it from that perspective on a points-per-game basis. Or if you just wanted to go with overall yardage, catches, whatever. I Literally, anything that you throw at me, I am probably going to say yes at, because that's how much I love this guy. Tight end six? Yep. Or better, is what or you're better. saying. He'll finish at least tight end six. six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so loud on him. 
I didn't, I'm not. Again, you had to watch the episode from last week, Jake. You're having revisionist <laughs> history. Uh, it's not that I said I really hated him. It was just I needed to pick mm-hmm. someone for the episode. And at his ADP, I wasn't but at the his ADP, fan. which is nine. So to me, right away, you're saying like he's not going to finish tight end nine, probably. Or I don't want to invest at him at that cost, at least. So yes. would you feel more comfortable so with ten, the overall no, production? No, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go tight end six. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's Nine fine. Six or better. All right, let's do it again. We'll just do points per game, and that way it's easy. easy. You know how confident I am on that? He's only finished outside the top six once in his career, and that it was an injury plague season. So that's how confident I am that he is going to finish outside the top six. Oh, I thought you. I thought you were going to couple that and be like, "So I'm not super confident in it, but I'm going to do it anyways." Oh no, you want the opposite side. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm just despite the fact, right despite it. the fact that the only year he's been bad, he was banged up. I'm just going to go all in on it. I, I love yeah. it. I appreciate yeah. the moxie. Double it down again. I don't hate Zach Ertz. Um, I think he's a very good football player, uh, and I had to do that episode. Just I, I needed a tight end for that episode. <laughs> You're pigeonholing me here, but I'm going to stick with it. All right. All right. That sounds good. Well, let's take it home officially here. Who's your tight end for this year? And what a better way to finish this episode off talking about another Green Bay Packer. Uh, And again, we don't have to just go through everything basically you talked about with Aaron Jones. A lot of what you said with Aaron Jones is still very pertinent for Robert Tanya. However, last coming off injury, he only played eight games last year. He's been cleared, came off the pup this last weekend. So he's going to be ready for week one, it looks like. And while maybe he'll have a little bit slower start uh, than what we would normally see, he is going to be playing. We know they lost Devontae Adams. The targets have to go somewhere. Why not Robert Tanya? I mean, because as you said, the wide receivers, Rodgers called him out. He, We know we trust Robert Tanya because the last season he was healthy, you know, in the uh, 2020, and I gotta, I gotta get my filter back up here. I had to look some stuff up for the Tunyon, uh, I mean, the Ertz, uh, bet here. So sorry, being super professional here. Uh, yeah, back in 2020, he had that incredible season where he was tight end four overall. I'm not saying that's gonna be his range of outcomes for this season, but he had double digit touchdowns, almost 600 yards, was targeted 60 times, uh, which again, in eight games last year, he was on pace again for 60 targets. Uh, his receptions went back down. His catch percentage went back down because he was insanely efficient um, two years ago. But he was on pace for about the same amount of yards, and we saw some regression for the touchdowns. I think those are going to come back up this year, the the catches and the targets and the touchdowns, only because we don't see Devontae there. He's going to want to look for someone he trusts in the red zone. And let's be honest, it can't just be Aaron Jones and it can't just be Randall Cobb. Uh, they, they need someone else. And, and Devante was that guy that he looked for in the red zone first off every single time. And now that he's getting back a big bodied athletic tight end, uh, that can basically roam the entire field in the red zone there and create space. I think we're going to see another double digit touchdown season out of him, which is really what you're looking for when you draft the tight ends. Uh, and he is going super late. He's the tight end. 18 overall, going in the 15th round. So he's essentially your last pick in the draft. Behind Why Irv not? Smith. What the hell, man? Why not take a flyer on this guy that you know is going to get a ton of volume this year and has that upside to be a top five tight end? Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Let me be clear. Could he be top eight? Very easily. Could he be top five? Yeah, he's done it once before. But 
I mean, we, we know he's going to get peppered with targets in the volume and, and, and the touchdowns. So that is why I'm all in on Robert Tanyan this year, especially at that cost. I mean, you, you can't beat that as basically your last pick in the draft. I mean, who else are you going to take at that point that has as much upside as Tanyan potentially has? Evan Ingram. False. Just to go back in on the Jacksonville offense. I mean, you said you love Trevor Lawrence. You love everybody in Jacksonville. So True I just story. Want to put that out there. No, I, I actually do like both. And they're going back to back in ADP. I wonder, I wonder if Tunyon's ADP will go up a little bit once he's actually, hey, healthy. We're starting him week one. He's right. good to go. Maybe he'll move up a couple spots, but I'm sure he won't move into the top 12, even with that news. No, you know, I don't rate. see that at all. One last thing about this offense, too, with the Rodgers comments. You know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't trust any of the wide receivers besides the old guard, basically. He trusts Tunyon so hard that he had the highest passer rating when targeted of any player in 2020. Of any player. The highest passer rating. That's the kind of shit that'll go a long way with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So, at cost, obviously, you would prefer Tunyon. Uh, and, you know... If I didn't love Ertz as much as I do, Tunyon would be an, an absolute monster target for me. If he doesn't start week one, like if they come out and say, ah, he's not going to go go week one, but hopefully week two, would you still draft mm-hmm. him? At where he's being drafted at? Yeah, absolutely. Because at that point, you're just taking dart throws anyway. And as I said, who else are you going to find that has upside like his? So you would take, let's say, so you draft two tight ends knowing that, hey, I'm, pro- I'm probably going to cut this other guy after a couple of weeks and free up that roster space once Tanyan's healthy, basically. Or you can put Tanyan on the IR, I suppose, right away until mm-hmm. he comes off or whatever. It, depending on how your league format goes. I right, right. They but yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you don't hate that. Neither does Scampers. <laughs> Mr. Scampers in the chat says Tanyan's this yes. year. Yes. Top three ceiling. Scampers, uh, I love it. Thank you. Top three? I don't know. That's spicy even for me, but he's absolutely top five. He said top three ceiling. Ceiling. I know. Even for me, I don't think I can get there with the ceiling because that's three. Even as down as I am on the top guys, it feels like that's that's pretty spicy. But top five ceiling for sure. All right. All right. Well, any last comments here, Jake, before we sign off for this evening? Uh, don't, don't leave your drafts without some of these guys. Obviously, only the ones that I agree with. None of the ones that I don't agree with. No, I love this episode. Uh, we'll get these kind of posted out there, too, on Twitter so that they can be mm-hmm. immortalized. And if we mess up, then you can come back to those posts and just give us a bunch of shit. Uh, and if they do really well, obviously, you won't say anything because nobody likes to say nice things about things that people can write. But well, we, we will. Yeah. Jinx. Well, <laughs> that's all I got. All right. Well, yeah, that's a great show. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. As always, go out, give us a rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Share it with folks. Uh, it helps us be found much, much easier and expands our reach. Uh, hear our glorious voices. Uh, if you haven't already, go check us out on YouTube. You can hear us and watch us every single week. We stream live. You can go back and watch the the live stream at any time. It's on the web page forever. Uh, you can see all of our clips. Uh, if you happen to miss a show or you don't, for whatever reason, after you watch the live show, you want to go back and be like, oh, yeah, what did they say about that? We're basically clipping out parts of every episode. Uh, so chances are something we said will be in one of those clips as well. So uh, we have all that lovely info out there for you. And I think that's about it Yeah, for this man. week. We Let's get into some more preseason football. Let's watch some mm-hmm. glorious preseason over this weekend and come back next week. We've got a pretty hot show next week. Dare I say a hot show? Uh, so without giving too much away, though, I'm, I'm psyched for it.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One last thing, folks, go follow us on Twitter at Drinking Fantasy is our Twitter handle for the show. Follow my co-host Jake at Jake Trowbridge, and you can follow me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next time, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Shut up, shut up.